0: Welcome to Voices of Experience, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, technology strategist and futurist, Crystal Washington. Today on VOE, we're discussing brand building for bucks. Our first guest, Jay Bear, will discuss hot tips for strategic word of mouth. Then our guest, Jason Harris, will share tactics for getting top speaking fees. I hope you have your iPad or yellow pad ready. Let's get started. On this episode of Voices of Experience, we have Jay Bear, who is a seventh-generation entrepreneur, author of six best-selling books, founder of 5 multi multi-million-dollar companies. In addition to being a CPAE speaker, I've been his fangirl for years. I told him that as soon as you came into the office. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jay.
1: Delighted to be here, and thank you for the kind words. Very nice of you.
0: Yes. Well, we're actually going to take a slightly different take on what you normally talk about. I know oftentimes you're talking about digital, but I thought of no one who would actually be better to talk about strategic word of mouth because they're so interconnected. So my first question for you is, I think if we were to survey 100 speakers and ask them what is the biggest source of new business, they'd say word of mouth. But is there any way to hack this and amplify word of mouth
1: referrals? 100% there is, and in fact, it's more important than ever. Uh, one of the things that's most definitely true in the industry is that there's more speakers than ever. People have realized, unfortunately, this is the best gig you could possibly have, right? So everybody <laughs> wants to do this gig now. Right. So it's harder and harder to stand out. And you're exactly right. Meeting planners talk to each other all the time. They talk to bureaus and vice versa. Look, people think they're gonna go to your website and they will, and that's part of it. But but word of mouth, like I saw this person and it was an amazing experience because of this, that's what's going to set you free. But the problem is in the speaking business is that everybody wants to play follow the leader. They want to say, who is really good in my category? How can I be somewhat like them? Mm. And I understand the attraction of that, but that's not a differentiator. That's the exact opposite of a differentiator. Same is lame.
0: Oh, so now we're making ourselves into a commodity.
1: Absolutely. And that's a race to the bottom, right? And then people say, well, how much will you do the gig for? And then mm-hmm. it becomes a price point. Uh, and and you, you have to have the courage to do something truly different. That doesn't mean you got to work with babies and animals. It just means you have no. to have a thing that's your thing. Well, If you want to work with babies what, and animals, I, that would be great. What if I
0: want to work with a baby animal?
1: See, now that's... Too high risk for okay, me. Okay, yeah, baby, i okay. yeah, too much. But you got to have a thing that's your thing. So in my case, uh, some people may know that that I am sort of the crazy suit guy. I have lots mm-hmm. and lots of of uh, outrageous plaid suits. I have for for years, but I've turned it into an experience. See? so the way it works is when a meeting planner books me to give a presentation, they are sent a link to a special website that my team and I developed. The website you can go there right now if you like is dressjbear.com. <laughs> dressjbear.com. I'm so done. Has an interactive module, has all of my suits shown, pictures. Okay. The meeting planner picks what suit they want me to wear. Sometimes it's to match their logo, sometimes they just like green, whatever. And it instantly goes on my calendar so I know what to pack. And I am telling you, 85% of the time, Uh meeting planner mentions mentions it to me when I get there, and usually they slip it into the introduction. Really? It's it's an experience. It's something that I do that other people don't do, and now they remember it. They talk about it. Look, competency doesn't create conversation. Mm-hmm. If you're not competent, you can't be a professional speaker. Right. So, so you say, well, I, if I'm just a better speaker, people will talk about you. No, they won't. They expect you to be a great speaker. That's table stakes. That's the least thing you could possibly do. You've got to have some kind of a hook. Okay. And for me, it's dressjbear.com. For other speakers, it's other things.
0: Well, and what's interesting is going back to the original message, there's people right now that are thinking, I wonder if I could let my clients dress me. Absolutely not, because then you make yourself into a commodity. Well, because you're sure. Then you're gay. doing my
1: thing. But, but <laughs> there's a lot of different ways uh, different ways that you can do it. Brian Fanzo, for example, mm-hmm. a fantastic speaker uh, about digital empathy. Brian yes. always wears uh, backwards baseball caps and, and red Puma shoes. Yes, he That's
0: does. That's his thing.
1: No, it doesn't have to be clothing. It just happens to be, in my case, in Brian's case. There's lots of different ways you can do it. A signature prop. Look at Dan Thurman. Right. Dan Thurman, 100% of Dan Thurman gigs right. include Dan Thurman doing a handstand on a podium. On a podium, yes. Is that talkable? Is that strategic word of mouth? Do meeting planners and audiences notice that and tell each other about it? Of course they do. Yes. It's not like he does that in every gig because he just loves doing handstands, although he does because he's a freak, but <laughs> he does it because it's a differentiator.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, it's not an accident. You know, it's interesting, a lot of my clients mentioned my Afro Puff. I wonder if I should let them style my hair now.
1: I, I just, love it, I love it. <laughs> Clip on God. puffs for the audience, oh, no. everybody gets one. <laughs> Oh. That's gold. You can have that one for free. That's gold. Thanks. You're right gonna get here, the, the first the puff, by the way. Oh, please, just so you please. know, Jake. So I need it. I got my bald co- spot coming. I need a puff. <laughs> well, we great. put a puff
0: right there. I love it. Awesome. So, what can speakers do pre, during, and post events to encourage more referrals? We're talking about the hacks, but what are some things they can do throughout the process to encourage it?
1: Yeah, I think part of it is to, to be more intentional about what are people saying about you and your performance and your material already. Okay. Right. So, be really strategic and purposeful about listening to what's being said about you and social media about here's a a tip that uh, somebody gave me uh, not too long ago i thought it was fantastic uh said when, when somebody comes up to you after an event and says hey i love your speech you should always ask the same thing that's great to hear what did you like best Instead of just saying thank you, ask them for specifics. And the more you do that, the more you realize what amongst your material really is resonating disproportionately with the audience. And then you can take that, double down on it, and now you actually have a differentiator, as as I call it, a talk trigger.
0: That is powerful because you're actually finding out what differentiates you that you might not even
1: realize. It's like your own little survey
0: interesting okay so where does digital and word of mouth converge
1: huge right so uh, right now I'm in the process of redoing my website uh, to make my own website more plaid Okay. Right, because if I'm the plaid guy my mm-hmm. hashtag is pick plaid mm-hmm. you get to dress me with my suit that doesn't really carry through on my website to the degree that it should now all the pictures of me on the site are plaid but right. it doesn't it doesn't really fit together okay. in the way that it needs to if you're going to have a differentiator like does Dan have a video of himself doing a handset on his website of course he does <laughs> right, right. of course he does right mm-hmm. because it all fits together so so that's the key on the digital side is like if you've got a shtick right if you've mm-hmm. got a horse you got to ride that horse now I'm not suggesting that every single thing you put in social media every Instagram post every LinkedIn post every tweet is you doing whatever the special thing is that you do because mm-hmm. that gets tiresome and boring right? right but you just have to touch on it enough that people can triangulate like oh that's the person with the Afro puff
0: okay, okay. so now I know I need Afro puff on everything <laughs> I, will, I will work on that I will see what I can do So if you could issue a challenge to everyone listening, and you've already given us some great information, Jay, what one thing would you have them do to facilitate earning more word-of-mouth business?
1: Answer this question. Only I dot, dot, dot. And then end the sentence. What's the one thing you do that nobody else in the world can or does do? If you don't have the answer to that sentence, you're not quite there yet for word-of-mouth.
0: Jay was kind enough to tell us how to get out of that race to the bottom. Our next guest will demonstrate how you can start at the top. With us today, we have Lieutenant Colonel Jason Harris, who's been in the military for 23 years and has been flying airplanes for 20 years as well, both as a military and commercial airline pilot. What makes Jason a little interesting is that he entered the business at five figures. And so he's going to share with us today how someone starts off keynoting at Five Figures. Thank you for joining us today, Jason.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Crystal. It's an honor and I'm humbled.
0: Well, you know what's interesting? You are kind of a unicorn because it's it's unheard of really most of the time for us to hear about keynoters who start off at five figures. You're always told to start one way, work your way up a different way. What is required to start off at the five-figure level?
2: So first off, Crystal, I, let me let me dispel a slight misnomer. The first time I got paid, I think I got a check for $250. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> but, but when I officially entered the market and got very serious about my business, I came in at five figures. Okay. And, and in doing that, I decided that... I had to establish my value. Mm-hmm. And my value, part of it was based on my W-2 income and my job. And mm-hmm. I knew as an airline pilot, I made X amount of dollars on a three-day trip. Right. Well, as a speaker, if I go out and do one speaking engagement, mm-hmm. then that's pretty much three days a time. Mm-hmm. So I started with initially this number. I said, okay, I need to make the same amount that I make on that airline trip. And I go, well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. My speaking business is, I'm in this for the long haul. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Right. So in 10 years from now, my airline job, is going to pay me a lot more than what I get paid today. Okay. So I need to not just double that figure. I need to actually quadruple that figure effectively. Okay. And so in doing that, I came up with a number and then I got affirmations from some other people that helped me to understand and appreciate what my value actually was and entering the market knowing that I would not stay at that value.
0: Okay. Okay. So for other speakers who are listening, in addition to that, from a marketing standpoint even, what does that look like, entering the market at five figures? Because I would imagine it looks very different entering there than entering in at at that $250 level where where you said you were and where many of us, we've, in the beginning, you're just like, people will pay me to show up and
2: talk? Absolutely, Crystal. You know, I, I think the, the thing that I understood... From watching the from the outside looking in, was it was all about how you looked. Mm -hmm. It's almost like when I go and fly an airplane. If I show up to the jet and I got a wrinkled shirt on, my tie is crooked, my shoes are not shined, Mm -hmm. or I don't even have on the right, you know, like I don't have the right uniform on. People are gonna go, "Do I trust you? Okay, can I trust you? And are you the right person to fly this airplane?" Mm -hmm. And I think the same in our business. I had to make certain that my my demo video was the right look. feel. Mm -hmm. I had to make sure that my website had a professional look and feel not like I sat in a basement last night for 10 minutes and went on some site and (laughs) created a random website. right? right? And in everything that I did to include my branding understanding that you know, one of my mentors has said, you know, Mike Havitt, Robert, he basically told me, he says, everything is version one and then you go to 2.0 or 3.0. But mm-hmm. I knew that entering the market, if I wanted to demand five figures for my speaking, right, I need to look like I was valued at five figures. So I needed to invest the money that was going to be required to look the part.
0: Okay. So what challenges will someone encounter starting at your fee level versus working their way up?
2: One of the initial challenges, obviously, is the investment required. Mm -hmm. So you have to make a determination that this is a business. If you go and buy a franchise, they require a franchise fee, Ah. and then they also require investments. You need to have six months' worth of money Mm -hmm. to be able to enter that business market. So I think that's the first critical thing you got to look at. Mm -hmm. What do you want to do? How much do you want to make? And are you in this for real and for the long term? Okay. I think the next thing is is you, you have to appreciate your value. Mm -hmm. and never lose sight of it and when you say your number say your number and get quiet and we've all heard that right but it's so hard because you're like well I just made this significant investment this five-figure investment in my business I need to just create capital right so I'll take a third of what I asked for and I'll be happy and I can say I made more than that $250 right when in all actuality if you just relax and understand your value that deal might pass you by, but the right deal will come along in its due time. There are many other challenges, but I think initially that is one of the largest challenges because you're going to see a lot of your peers mm-hmm. that are going to say, oh, I'm totally killing it. Right. Well, if you peel back the onion, they're killing it at their fee level right. for their experience and for what their market space is, okay, which is completely different than your space. Right,
0: right. Oh my gosh. So what tips do you have for high level experts? Because when we think about people that are listening to this podcast, some of them, they might be successful trainers. They might be successful authors. They might have success in one area, but maybe they're looking to do keynotes or maybe there's keynoters that are looking to get up to where you're at in terms of fee. What tips would you have for high level experts who want to
2: demand higher fees? You know, first and foremost, I, I call it the, the pilot tax in my industry, but also in the speaking industry, pay the tax. As we talked about, you need to put that investment fund. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't look the part, no one is even going to take the time to to give you the the consideration to interview you or to give you the opportunity. So that's first and foremost. Pay that tax. Okay. What does that mean? Pay for the right branding specialist. Mm -hmm. Pay for the right website. Mm -hmm. Pay for the right video. And if you know how to do it, that's fantastic. But have someone else who is an outsider looking in, take a look at it at minimum uh, so that you can make certain that you get outside of yourself. <laughs>
0: well, because sometimes we're in love. We do egocentric marketing. This is my favorite color. It's purple and there's butterflies. That's my brand.
2: But that does not fit, exactly, but, but that doesn't fit, right? And, and, right. It's, and it's this thing, what I say is, you know, you, we got to check our ego, right? right. As speakers, we, we get all this glory, if you would, on the stage, And but at the end of the day, if you want to be in business, you got to check your ego, and it's kind of like what I talk about in my messaging. I'm the pilot, and I'm the one who's flying the airplane, but there is someone else who has a job. And sometimes their job is to tell me that I am wrong. Mm. And sometimes it's their job to tell me to go around, to not land the airplane, because it is not right. Okay. It is my job to then listen to that person who might not have the same level of experience and exposure as me, but they have a specialty. It might be my website, okay. it might be my branding, it might be my video. And it's probably going to hurt my ego, but if I don't listen to them, It's probably not going to work out well, just like if I don't listen to that person telling me to go around the airplane, it's probably not going to work out well.
0: Ooh, for any of us on a plane with you.
2: (laughs) You know, and and honestly, in this business, you're taking people along with you. You're taking your family along with you, right? You're taking your audience. You're taking your peers, your mentors. How do you want them to view you? As you start and step into this business space. That
0: was deep, Jason. <laughs> deep as the
2: ocean is my, Crystal.
0: <laughs> you took us there. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Voices of Experience.
2: Thank you, Crystal.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Voices of Experience, the podcast of the National Speakers Association. Catch us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, and NSA's social media profiles. Make sure that you subscribe, and remember, sharing is caring. Tune in for our show next week when we'll discuss point of view for profit.
2: This podcast is a part of the C Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.